fire, water. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes. It seems like now we are getting back into uh, the studies. I, I, I heard of this story that uh, there was a family, and the family was uh, so humble in terms of finances. Very humble. They were very poor broke, and they were the poor of the poorest. So they had a child, and that child was very good in school. So they managed to send it to an ace group by the help of the government through Bessery. And it happened uh, that the school organized a school trip for the week. So when the trip was organized, there was a well-wisher who wished and helped this boy to go to the trip. And uh, he went back home and asked his mom for money pocket money to eat during the seven days from the day they leave up to the day he was going to come back. So the mom, the dead, they were so broken poor. So the only thing that the mother managed to give this boy was a Bible. And she said to the boy that this is uh, the manual and the document or the constitution that you want of life and it's going to help you uh, read it while you are going to your trip and during the trip time. It's going to help you and give you that which you want. Us as parents, we can't help you. So it happened that this boy was very devastated. He was given the Bible, he put it and hid it under his bag. Uh, during the trip uh, time, he had no money to eat. Even from the day they were traveling to the trip, other people were buying goodies and he was just looking and the trip uh, became a ticket for him because he didn't enjoy the trip until he came back and was very frustrated uh, over his parents for not being able to provide for him and uh, the mother said why are you so frustrated why is your countenance down and said because you didn't give me money, pocket money to eat while I was uh, at the church. And the mother asked me and said, did you read the book that I gave you? And he said, yeah, I read from the first page to the last page and it did nothing to me. And the mother said to the boy, if you had read that book, you were going to find a hundred years dollar note because it was just after the cover of the Bible. And some of your friends, they spend $20, $10, but I had put a hundred US dollars in that book. So he hated himself. So it showed that a lot of people, they don't want to read. So it was indicative to the fact that people, they don't understand the power of the information that they carry, especially the Bible itself. It's the constitution of our day-to-day -day life. In the Bible, we have got projects that we can glean from it. If you want engineering, you find it in the Bible. It's not only at UJ or Fitz University. You find out that the Bible speaks of Uziah. That was the first king to bring reformations in Israel through engineering, through agriculture, and a lot of aspects and projects that he managed to do. 
So Bible teaches you business, it teaches you marriage, it teaches you life, it teaches you accounts. That's why uh, when Moses was writing, God had to dedicate one book as the book of Numbers, where God said you must deny people. And when God gave uh, Moses the template of the tabernacle, he gave him with specifications and the measurements that he wanted to put on the tabernacle, which is called the tabernacle of Moses. He said, put a cubit there, five cubits there, ten cubits there, so that when you make it, you make it according to the measurements that I've given you. So this afternoon, I'm going to talk about seven levels of revenue. We spoke about money, I think, last year. How many people want to be poor? How many people want to be broke? No one eh? So it's very important for us to augment our preaching with some of the aspects of life. The Bible speaks the mournful inspired prediction concerning Tyre. Well, new ships of Tyre returning from trading with Tashis. For Tyre is laid waste so that there is no house, no harbor from the land of Kittim, Cyprus. Number two of 23 Isaiah, be still you inhabitants of the coast, you nations of Sidon. Your messengers passing over the sea have replenished you with wealth and industry. Come on, somebody shout wealth. Number three, and we're on great hotties. The seed of grain of Shio, the harvest grew to the overflow of the Nile River, was tires revenue, and she became the merchandise of the nations. Come on, somebody shout revenue. I don't hear you. Shout revenue. Shout revenue. So I was talking about revenue. I want you to understand one thing. That Christianity is not only for speaking in tongues. It's not only for prophecies. It's not only for casting out devils. But we must enjoy life in its totality. I once taught you about the organization of uh, natural laws that uh, are responsible for wealth and business and social laws that are responsible for wealth and business, that there is no lacun or dichotomy between these laws. When I'm in business and I apply the laws of business when, when, and when I am a child of God, and apply the spiritual laws that make for there is no gap or there's no lacun or there's no dichotomy between these. They must be uh, annexed together so that they produce a fully fledged child of God. We must pray that God will give us the power and ability to finish what we are doing and what God wants us to do. That's why you find out that the more we become so spiritual and we neglect the other part of life, we become heavily bound and earthly useless. Of which God does not want us to be useless on this ground. He wants us to take over and He wants us to prosper. He wants us to, to eat in fullness. He wants us to enjoy the life that we have. There's a gospel that was preach to us when we're growing up that when you are on earth, you don't have to mind yourself so much about the earthly things, things like cars and houses. 
Just become coming, be collected, because one day you are going to make it to Mecca. But that's not the mind of God when you come to the house of God. That's why the church has a lot of people that are poor and worried. People that are ignorant, you find them in the church. People that are beggars, they are in the church. People that can't pay their rent house, they are in the church. People that cannot drive, they are in the church. People that cannot fly to Dubai for holiday and for massage, they are in the church. Why? Because we're told and we preach the, uh, the gospel of poverty, then we were made to incline ourselves so much to spiritual activities, which is not wrong, which is profitable. But it is the mind of God that the body of Christ may rise up in prosperity. That's why the Bible says, I pray that above all, you prosper, be in good health, even as your soul prospereth. The Bible speaks in the book of Ecclesiastes, in the book of Proverbs, about prosperity, that if you are a beggar or a borrower, you always remain a slave to one that is given you. So which means in the church, the word of Christ is borrowing. You know God has given us the power, as Peter could say, that you are a peculiar nation, you are a royal priesthood, and you are a chosen people. We are not going to experience that dimension of rulership, dominion, and power. Dominion, dominion is seen when people and the word of Christ is going to spend money. We can only dominate when revenue starts to flow in our lives. Someone, someone shout revenue. I'll start with defining what is revenue. What is revenue? Revenue is total income received from a given source. And number two, revenue is the income received by an investment. Number three, revenue is the net income from normal business operations. I will take it again. Revenue, what is revenue? Revenue is the total income received from a given source. So which means you have a source that you have been into business, you are selling what you are selling, what you get from there is revenue. Number two, the income received by an investment, whatever investment that you do, being in education, being in a relationship, Whatever deal that you get from that becomes revenue. Then revenue is the net income from normal business operations. What you get out out of the operations of your business is the revenue. The difference between revenue and cash is revenue is created, but cash you can pick it somewhere. As you're going home, you can pick 200 rations, you can pick a stash of 10,000 or 20,000, but you can never pick revenue because revenue is created. Revenue is positional. You need to do something. Then when you create it, what you get out of that creation is called cash or money. Am I talking something in this place? So the first level of revenue is wisdom. Come on, somebody shout wisdom. I don't hear you shout wisdom. There is wisdom that is out and there is not the wisdom. So there's a difference between wisdom that is come out that you get from school, that is acquired wisdom, and that wisdom that you get from God. That's why Proverbs, when I'm reading from Proverbs 1 to 31 chapters, you understand that when Solomon is talking, he's talking about godly wisdom, but when he's speaking about the other part of wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is saying more wisdom brings succession and knowledge brings sorrow. And this kind of wisdom that you get or acquire from the life of your ecosystem or from your cosmos 
When we're talking of God, the wisdom is that wisdom, that is revelational, that comes from God, that uh, James is talking about. That is, there anyone among you who is lacking wisdom, let him pray and ask from God who gives that wisdom that we're talking about. So, wisdom on itself, it can be translated into revenue. And as we're talking of wisdom again, Read Proverbs 1.20, you find out the Bible says, Wisdom cries aloud in the streets. She raises her voice in the markets. So when you put wisdom, you can raise your voice on any market. Uh, as you'll be dealing in everyday life, you are doing your business, you are doing your church, you are doing even your project. When you put wisdom, you have put a voice in the market. There is the spiritual market, there is the business market, the political market. There are different markets, but we, when you have got wisdom, all the markets, they can hear you. And like you know, in this place, why cause of wisdom? Then wisdom, again, uh, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 14, 24, that the crown of the wise is their wealth. Come on, somebody shout wealth. The crown of the wise is their wealth of wisdom. Not just the material wealth, wealth of wisdom, but the foolishness of the fully of the fools is their folly. Then Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 12, it says, For wisdom is a defense, even as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom shields and preserves the life of him who has it. So wisdom is preservation. And wisdom, it shields you. We spoke about the shield of faith, but with wisdom, wisdom shields you. You know, when God creates you and me, He gave us multifaceted blessings, talents, so that we may make it in this life. I always tell you that uh, God has made it so easy for us to get what we want by giving us faceted elements on which, if we practice our Christianity in those elements, we can start to prosper and to progress and attract what other people are working for. As a child of God, you should not be working so hard or sweat so hard for you to have revenue or money. That was the case that was upon Adam. But when the last Adam came, Jesus Christ, he broke the case. That which was a case became a blessing to us. But I told you that if you want a blessing to come to you, blessing they don't just come to people, but they come to a vision that knows that is matured and grown into understanding God. Which means that when I wake up on the 7th of August, tomorrow, Monday, there are myriads of blessings that God has already deposited for me. But for me to pick them one by one is very difficult, and God knows that within 24 hours I can't pick them. So what he does, he brings systems of advantage, like maturity growth, wisdom, so that when I operate in wisdom, these things are attracted to me. A person of wisdom is like a magnetic field where you don't need to dig nails one by one, you just pick them at once. Why? Because I put wisdom. That the same uh, elements that wisdom brings to a person, which brings revenue in your life. When some people are working so hard, tirelessly, you can have revenue because a person of wisdom I was listening to Bishop Maponga, he was asking that I have never seen you going to work and doing anything. How are you making your money? And he said, I have books and books that are on Amazon. 
that are being sold on my behalf that I've written. Every now and again, I go and I place wisdom, and my books are being bought by the Americans, the British, the Australians, the Africans. So I make more revenue than someone who's going to work. Why? Because of wisdom. Imagine with somebody this place. Come on, someone shout wisdom. So if God gives you blessings or talents, He may have given you 15 talents or blessings in your life, or gifts, as we can call them. He does not want you to use all the twenty for you to get revenue or to, to get money because that work is difficult. Among the 15 talents that you have, only one or two talents can bless you and create revenue in your life of God. That's why you find out that Ronaldo or Messi, they had a lot of things that they used to do when they were growing up. They'd be playing soccer was part and parcel of the many things that they were doing until they realized that. Uh, we have to concentrate on one thing that we know. So, among the 50 things that you know, you must speak one or two. Don't do everything because the life that God has given us and the time that God has given us does not allow you to try and to end their making life. If you know that you are a singer, you are a preacher, you are an orator, maybe you are a book writer, you are an academia, find among the five which one is going to. All these five, if you try them, you try and you fail, you try and fail, you fight, you try and fail. If you look at Makazi, she did a lot of things in school, she did high jump, she did athletics, she did businesses, until she found out that, let me concentrate on music. I was reading, uh, two weeks ago, she bought another house in Second Day. Uh, a poor girl from Venda, she's taking over her team. Why? Because she understood that what do I have to do? Let me concentrate on music. Instead of concentrating on athletics, let me leave athletics to Usain Bolt. If you read, read the life of Usain Bolt, you understand that you used to do a lot of things. You used to play soccer, you used to do athletics when he was in Jamaica, until he found out. That I'm a man of speed. Let me concentrate on athletics. So God has given you a lot of things. That's why since you started to know money, you, you have done a lot of things. But it seems like you're not creating revenue. But I want to prophesy that let God give you the focus and the technology to know what you're supposed to be doing in a particular season for you to create revenue. How do I create revenue? I know that's the question that now you have. Like, yes, prophet, I've done a lot of things, but how do I tell that among the seven, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? That thing that makes you not to believe yourself when you want to do it. You know, there's something that when you want to do it, you say to yourself, no, not me. I can do A, B, C, D, but this I can't do. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Because where your honey and where your blessing is, there's always a fight. When uh, Samson was going, to the land of the first friends, the Bible says he met with the lion. When he met with the lion, the lion wanted to attack him and friendly. The Bible says Samson destroyed and killed the lion. On his way going back to Israel, the Bible says he found that in the palace of the lion there was honey. What he fought and what was very difficult and the constraint is that which brought honey. So when you have an idea or you're doing a lot of things, and you do things that when you sit down, you say to yourself, I've got this passion of writing books. But when you try to type two words, 
you find yourself sleeping, you find yourself struggling. That's where your breakthrough is. That's free prophecy. Everybody comes out of this place. Yeah. I know you're in the workplace, but sometimes when you gather things to sell for yourself, you feel like uh, tired, you feel like sluggish. That's where your blessing is. Am I prophesying to somebody in this place? Number two, a level of revenue is vision. Come on, somebody shout vision. Yeah. I don't know, shout vision. Vision. Uh, vision does not see things as they are, but it sees things as they should be. So a personal vision, whether in South Africa, whether the hand is depreciated and the first with inflation levels that are so demonic and diabolical, that are very belligerent, you don't see things the way other people are seeing things. You see what other people are not seeing. That's why the Bible says, God said unto Isaac, in that land where Abraham, your father, failed to make it, I want you to put a seed down, you are going to have harvest seed. So a personal vision, you don't see like other people, you see beyond the horizon. The Bible says when Lord was with Abraham, God said separate because they had a lot of prosperity and they were fighting. The Bible says, Abraham said unto Lord, let you, I want you to choose before I choose. The Bible says, Lord saw the place that was greenish, the place that was very decorated with the Jewel, that was near Jordan, and that place was near Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says he chose. And God said unto Abraham, now that your nephew is chosen, I want you to lift your countenance, look beyond. The Bible says he saw a land that was fatal, that's vision. So vision, when you enter a workplace, you are earning 2,000 runs, you don't see 2,000, but you see beyond the 2,000, that is vision. That's why you find out that we have people that are doing things that are so astronomical in our time, who are getting money that's below the poverty line, why because they see beyond the vision. I will tell you about a girl in Cape Town uh, who used to work uh, for one of the apostles that I always worked with. She used to be given uh, 1.5 francs to 2,000. And while she was given that money, she realized that I can't claim 150 uh, rands is tight. It's too little. She used to pay 500. And what she was doing that she had the opportunity to buy land and she managed to build her own house. Then she went to the apostle and said, this is what I've managed to do for the money that they've been paying me. The apostle was uh, very uh, perplexed and amazed by the project that this girl had done. And he was forced to push the salary to the level of the tax that she was paying. She was paying 500, being given 1.5. And the apostle had to push the money to 5,000. Why? Because she's a woman of vision. I heard a story between Archbishop and Boateng. They were in America. Boateng was struggling back in Ghana. He was struggling to establish his church. He was struggling to establish the ministry. But uh, Archbishop said, let's go together to America and see ministry. When they were about to leave, he was given an opportunity to preach again. Boateng, uh, he preached and prophesied and was given money. Then Archbishop took that money because whenever you preach in America, Americans, they know how to honor people of God. It's not in terms of honorarium. Then Archbishop said, Yes, we got this money, but I want you to choose between the money and the anointing oil. What do you want? 
But the sisters finally said, I looked at money. That money was enough to build me a big church, was enough to buy me houses back in Ghana. I looked at a bottle of the anointing. It looked like just oil. <laughs> then when I looked closely as a man of vision, I saw the money through. It was mirroring through, exterminated through the bottle. I saw buildings, I saw nations through the anointing oil. But when I looked at money, it was just money. Then I said, Papa, give me anointing oil. Then I took anointing oil. Today, when you track the life of these guys, they are making it like ghosts. They are the people of vision. Come on, have a short vision. The Bible says, Having a vision, the Bible says, write down the vision, make it plain upon public, so that he who reads may run. For the vision is for an appointed time. Habakkuk 2, verse 2. So the Bible once us, admonishes us that when you have a vision, you got to put it on paper. You got to put it, put it on blueprints. Uh, so that the generation that comes after you, they will read your vision. The reading that the Bible is talking about is not mere reading. But speaking of establishing institutions that will outlive you. So that when your generation comes, they look at the buildings, they look at the companies that you've done and say, This is what our daddy did, this is what our money did, with what God gave to hell. That's the revenue. Never comes up in this place. Because we owe it to the generations who come to make it today. My making it today is not for me, but it's for the generations who come. I owe it to my grandchildren so that when they look like Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola will establish the company, the grandchildren, they are enjoying the fruits of the man of vision. And that comes out of this place. Your vision, it can outlive you and you can speak when you're no longer there. That's what the vision does. When you have a vision, you can die today, but your vision continues to speak. That's why you find out that Bill Gates, if he dies today, his vision, as a software guru is going to continue to speak. That's why you find out that Tata uh, Mandela is gone, but his vision for South Africa is outlived his life. Come on, Sarah, shout, I am a man of visions. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keeps the law is blessed. Number three uh, level of revenue is information. Come on, somebody shout information. Not only information, but its application through understanding. When you put information, you must know how to apply that information through understanding. You can only apply information through understanding. And you can only understand when you put information. Because without information, there's no understanding. How can they hear if there's no one to preach? How can they understand? So if a woman of understanding, at least a day, you must read a book. At least a day, you must read a novel. So the more you get the information, the more you get a place of understanding. So there's a protocol and procedure in the law. It's, it's a system that has been designed by God. For me to understand scriptures, I must be in a position to read the word. When I read the word, I then see it in a place of understanding, when I understand what I need, then I apply it in my life. So if you lack information, you don't only lack information, you lack application and you lack understanding. Info, what is information? Information is special knowledge. Daniel 7, 28, the Bible reads, 
that here is the end of the matter. It's Daniel now who's speaking after an encounter with the angel of God. The Bible reads, As for me, Daniel, my thoughts troubled and alarmed me much, and my cheerfulness of countenance was changed in me, but I kept the matter, which was the interpretation of angels' information, in my heart and mind. So there is information that you must tell others. There must be information that you must keep to self. When you want to establish yourself into a certain project, sometimes it's not advisable to just go around putting on your status, putting on your timeline that which you want to do. You must keep it yourself until that information is transmograted to become a project. Because before you get a project, project comes as information which are ideas. And ideas become as convictions. Then when you move from a place of conviction, now we have a philosophy. When I put a philosophy now, I translate my ideas into a project that gives me revenue. The microns are this place. That's why you find out that whatever you see on the ground is started as an idea and as an information. Then from an idea to the information, it was translated into a project, into a big building, into a big company. When God created the heavens and the earth, he did not start by having things that are physical. It was a conviction, information, and idea. The Bible says, at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, void, without shape, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering upon the face of the deep. It was information. Then the Bible says, and God said, let it light. Then he said the things that is already conceptualized. So it was in his body prophecy where God spoke these things. That's why he said in the book of Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I have towards your life, thoughts of peace to give you a future and an expected end. Am I putting somebody in this place? Which means before the earth was the earth, it was the thought of God. So that thought of God was expressed through the world. So what we see today is a thought expressed. What I experience, you are a thought expressed. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the expression of God, of the Godhead. Which means when Jesus Christ is walking in Vietnam, when Jesus Christ is walking in Thailand, Sudan, he's not just a mere man, but he is a thought that is walking, expressed through a man. When you see yourself prospering in our time, that your prosperity is an expression of God's thought. When you see yourself preaching or prophesying, you are an expressive thought of God. So you got your information for you to have ideas. Then your ideas are translated into projects. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. Number four is the relationships. Come on, somebody shout relationships. relationships. I don't hear you shout relationships. relationships. So you need relationships so that God can work through divine connections. You have heard me speaking of divine connections, divine helpers. That when God wants to bless humanity, even though it's God, He uses the contours or the elements or the facets of humanity to bless another human being. He said unto Peter, when Peter was in power, that I want you to go to a place of a man called Cornelius. I want you to speak a blessing and bring salvation into his house. The Bible says, Your prayers and your arms, Cornelius, is come before me, that's God. God would have just came down as God to the house of Cornelius, but he had to use God route through Peter. That's why in the book of Jeremiah 3.15, God said, I'm going to raise shepherds for you so that they may feed you with information and understanding. 
God can feed us, but he, he has to route this information through apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Why is he bringing these people? It's a child in the front of God of the kingdom. So for people to sit home and touch the screen, I had an uncle who said to me, I'm not going to go to church, I'll rather touch the screen and watch the people that are on TV. That one is profitable, but that's not the mind of God. God wants to use people to bless him. Then say, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I can bless him? For the sake of Jonathan, he made a covenant with Jonathan. Then the Bible says that uh, Ziba is saying there is a man called Mephibosheth in a place of God called Radiba. And the man is lame. The man is an uh, 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 infant. He can't walk. But then I said, you know, I have to veto his uh, condition. I have to veto his mental state, his physical state, and social state. Why? Because I have to do something. I want to bless something. And I want to bless someone. So when God wants to speak to you, He speaks to you through somebody. When He wants to take you out, He takes you out through somebody. He said unto Moses, I have heard the cry of my people, and I see the affliction. Now I come down that I may deliver them. So God would have entered Egypt and say, Pharaoh, let my people go, but he to raise Moses, and he to raise Pharaoh, he to raise Joshua, so that he may accomplish his purpose. So if God wants to anoint you, he uses people to anoint your life. That's where the issue of respect, honor, and fatherhood comes. The Bible speaks of David, that God said unto Simon, I want you to go to the house of Jesse. In the house of Jesse, there is a man out of my own heart. But God did not name David, you would have named David. But God said, and Simon just take anointing oil, and I want you to go and anoint one of his sons. The Bible says, when he arrived in the house of Jesse, and in Shama and other boys, they were there. They were looking so fine. They were so good in terms of their God structure and stature. They looked so delicious. And Simon wanted to bless them, and God said, no, I don't look outside. I don't look at the structure and state of the man, but I look at the heart of the person. And Simon said unto Jesse, are they all your sons here? And Jesse said, there's a boy, a lady, who is tending the sheep. And Simon said, call the boy. And the Bible said, then Simon blessed him and anointed David. But it took Samuel to come to the house of Jesse. God did not tell Samuel today, and Samuel went to the house of Jesse today. Samuel was devastated because of what Saul had done. So Samuel was in Shiloh sitting, and God visited Samuel in many times. And said, Samuel, how long are you going to be angry? I want you to go and bless the man that I want. So God would have said, I don't care, Samuel, you don't want to work with me. I'm going to bless David on my own, but you need to use men. I want to shout relationships. I don't need to shout relationships. Every time you have been promoted in your life, it's mostly been because of an added relationship. It's not a relationship that is going to change your life and that is going to add value. You must have the relational knowledge to check the relationship that comes in your life. But usually, if you want to get to another level in your life, there must be an added relationship. If you want to move from another dimension, there must be an added relationship in your life. 
So relationship they translate into revenue. Money is not only with the respect of South Africa, but money is people and it's in people. Who you know is the ability to make you to rise in life. If I know what separate personality is, it means whenever I'm in need of money, it's a call away. So money is people, money is the person that I know. When I know the person that I know, the Bible speaks of Nehemiah, that the king said unto Nehemiah, I see your face is very down your countenance. What's the problem? And Nehemiah said, I heard the news that there is a problem in Jerusalem. The walls of Jerusalem are destroyed. They are obliterated, annihilated, and they are broken. So I go this fashion, go and build and erect the walls of Jerusalem and establish the church. And the king, because uh, Nehemiah had a relationship with the king, the king said, what do you want from me? And the Bible says, the king said unto Nehemiah, I'm going to give you letters. Those letters as you pass through nations, they are going to favor you. They are going to give you materials, they are going to give you money to build. So in life you need those added relationships. And the word relationship comes from two words, relate and ship. I'm going to explain what is a ship. A ship is a cargo carrier. How do you relate to a cargo? You have been introduced to you. So when you put people around you, they are not just people, they are a cargo. They are carrying blessings, cargoes. They are used to carry blessings. They are used to carry material things, jewels. So how do I relate to my cargo? How do I relate to a person who is carrying my diamonds, my gold, my money? Your relationship towards that person to translate into revenue. When they had uh, Jesus Christ around them, the Bible says whenever they were hungry, they could ask Jesus Christ, when are we going to stay? And what I'm going to eat, Christ would make me a good they want this. At one particular time, the Bible says they wanted to pay taxi unto Caesar. And they said unto Jesus Christ, is it permissible or under your law to pay taxi unto Caesar? And Jesus Christ said unto Peter and the disciples, give Caesar what is Caesar's. And the Bible says the disciples, they said we don't have money. And Jesus Christ said unto Peter, go to what is the first fish that you're going to catch, you get money from that fish. That's a relationship. Peter, prior to the meeting with Jesus, he used to turn the night, he used to turn for weeks and months for him to get fish. After getting fish, he would go to the market and sell the fish at the market. And it was not easy for the fish to be uh, bought at the market. Some of them would go rotten, some of them would go bad. But really, you must be Jesus Christ. The process of going to work hard for the fish, then to sell the fish, was cut. It was suspended. Why? Because when you are with Jesus, you play with a different set of rules. Am I talking about this place? That process will be suspended, which means when you put men in your life, the process of struggle is suspended. I read about a man coach from uh, Fernando. He's a Portuguese guy. He was a friend to Ronaldo. Before CR7, before CR7, he was the man who used to help Ronaldo with the boots. He used to help Ronaldo with a lot of things because he did not go in a work to do family Ronaldo. And this Fernando, uh, if you read about it, because I'm a person who loves to read biographies so much. 
and his belief in that when Ronaldo did the first thing, uh, trial that took him to Manchester, he was supposed to score at least five scores each. And that Fernando, according to Ronaldo, he was better than Ronaldo. But he realized that his career was not going to be like Ronaldo's career. He was going maybe to play for a year like Maguire. Then you are you become nothing over the years of football. But he realized that the name of Ronaldo was going to be a household name. When he was supposed to be scoring the fifth score, he didn't score. Then he passed and Ronaldo because they, they all scored 4 4. Then Ronaldo scored. And after some years, Ronaldo became the man that he became. Then he went back to Fernando and said unto him that because of what you did to me, I'm going to buy your houses. I'm going to establish companies for you. And whatever money that I get in my football life, you get 20%. He's sitting in Portugal, eating from a relationship. I don't know if I'm talking about this place. We have got people that when someone wants to get something, we push them. We try by all means to make sure that we put a budget and a chance in. But it's time for you to rise up and understand the importance of relationships. Number five, as we're going to wrap up its property, I think we spoke about property in several times. Property, being a property owner, God and property or land is God's justice system as expressed in land. If God wants to show his justice system to humanity, you always comes and gives humanity land. That's why he said unto Moses, as you go to Canaan, you are going to own the land that you're not buying houses that you didn't build, you're going to own finance that you didn't put and you didn't even plow and plant. Why? Because God wanted them to get a piece of new prosperity. I told you that if you put a car and it happens that there's a bomb on your car, your car will be reduced into small units that you cannot recognize it. But when you've got land, if a bomb falls on your land, what you see is just a hole, but your land will always be there. If you have got a house, it can be broken, but your land will remain being there. If you have got an iPhone, it can be stolen, but land is always land. Am I talking about this place? So that's why God said, go and take land. Can I be said unto Joshua that the man of God, Moses, promised me this mountain of Ephraim and said, it's my possession. I was 40 years old when the prophets came to me. Now I'm 85 years old and I still have the same power and energy to possess my mountain. So the 40 years of prophecy, he spent another 40 years going around the wilderness. We know that they took 40 years around the wilderness. But he said, now that we are about to cross over, give me my mountain of the Ephraimites, so that I possess it. So it's my prayer that you own land as a woman of God and as a man of God. People can steal your laptop, can steal your wardrobe, but they can't steal your land. Number six, talents or gifts. Come on, somebody shout talents or gifts. Talents or gifts. The Bible says the gift of a man maketh room for him and makes room to stand amongst men of honor, men of virtue, men of prosperity, men of substance, and as well before princes. I was telling you that your gift has a propensity to make you to 
among great people, princes of this world and kings of this world. But he does not create a chair and a space for you, a lacoon for you to sit among princes and kings. It's your maturity and your value that creates a chair for you. So when a gift opens a door, the only thing that I can do is to enter. That's why the Bible says it makes the room. So when you're in a room, it doesn't mean that you're going to sit on the table. Your value in that table is the one that will give you a chair. I want to prophesy that let God give you value. That when you enter before great people, one day Sinorama Posa is going to call you and say, I just want you to talk to me about Christianity. What I'm going to say, and what to say there is the one that will determine if the door is going to continue to open. There are people that have opportunities to speak to great people. And the day they spoke to great people, that's the day they are going to cross. Why? Because they left the honor for them to continue to be in that room. So when a gift opens the room, there's no creation of revenue. But it's your value in that room that creates revenue. I don't know about another business. That's why a lot of us, when opportunity to board buses, plays with people of honor, but because we let the, the integrity and the honor and sensitivity to know that there are great people among us. I read when Bishop uh, Idahosa was supposed to fly to America, and in that plane, there was a small boy who was a church goer, but he was not much in the things of God. He wanted to fly again to America. His name is called Aliba Dakoti. And it's known that the pilots and the air well, it says that we no longer have this city for one more person. You are late. You have to wait for another plane that was supposed to come after two hours. And the bishop said, I need to be in America. If I wait for two hours, it means I will miss my program. And the uh, host of the plane, the cable crew came and said, he's the bishop here in Nigeria. If anyone is honorable enough to just give me space, we appreciate all the people they looked down, some they fed it to be on their phones. But I never converted, you are still broke. He said, I'll give you the space. Then uh, Bishop Ida also said unto Aliko, I want you to kneel down while you are going out of the plane and spoke a blessing and said unto Dangote, you will never let your life. I speak prosperity and mind over you. Then he understood that if a door and a room is open among great people, know what to do, know how to behave. And then he waited for the plane that was supposed to come after two hours. When he went to America, he saw a deal that made him Aliko is one of the most richest men on this planet. Why? Because he understood that I'm before gifted men, I'm before a king of the gospel, a custodian of prophecy, a custodian of the word of God. What should I do? How do I respond to the atmosphere and the environment? And you understand that now is the best. But there are a lot of people that miss the opportunity. So you find out that even at the time when you are with a man of honor, there's going to be a collaboration of an atmosphere, there is going to be an environment, an ecosystem that is spiritual and judging. How you respond and how you behave in that atmosphere, it predicts the next move. The Bible says there were at the Mount of Transfiguration, 
Jesus Christ to Peter and John. And as they were there praying, the Bible says Elijah and Moses, they were seen, they appeared. And as they appeared, they started to converse with Jesus Christ. Peter and John, they were looking and they couldn't record the conversation. What they could do was to see that there is a manifestation, but they could not decode what was in manifestation and what was being discussed. They would see the lips of Jesus and Elijah moving, but they could not decode the information. The Bible says they became victims of an atmosphere. The Bible says after that experience, Jesus Christ said after the boss that what you see, don't turn to the other disciples. I want you now to see the power of an atmosphere. The Bible says down at the foot of the mountain, other disciples, they were there fighting with a demon. There was a man who came with his son. And the Bible said the demon could throw the son in the water or sometimes in the fire. And the Bible said they spent one night trying to exercise the boy, but they could not help the man. When Jesus Christ and other disciples arrived at the scene, the man was so angry over what had transpired. And Jesus Christ said, What's the problem? And the man said, I brought my child unto disciples, thinking that they were going to exercise my child, but it seems like there was nothing happening. And the Bible said, Jesus Christ said, tell me the problem. And the man said unto Jesus, this demon, it throws the sun in the fire. And sometimes it throws him in the water. But mind you, at the mountain of transfiguration, there was Moses who was a custodian of fire. So there was impartation under that atmosphere. And there was Elijah who was a custodian of fire. Moses a custodian of water. And the Bible says, Jesus Christ said unto the boy, You demon, I speak unto you, leave the boy. And the demon left the boy. Why? Because Jesus had an impartation from the fathers and the custodian of those dimensions. I don't know if I'm prophesying to somebody in this place. So you need to have a gift. When you have a gift, the reason why God gave you a gift. If you have got a gift, you are deployed because the mind of God is not deployed, but it's deployed. But when you don't have a gift, you are employed. And when you are employed, you can only make money, but when you are deployed, you create revenue. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. That's why people have got a problem with pastors, they have a problem with the of the gospel, that they always say they eat without working. We are not employed, but we are deployed. So my deployment is creating revenue for me. So I want to prophesy over my life. That little gift be transfigurated and trained into a deployment, not employment. There are people today that at their workplace, if they could flow, the company does not only buy the medication, they buy the whole pharmacy to make sure that they are back at work. There are people who work two times a month, but they are earning thousands and thousands of dollars. I don't know. If I'm talking to somebody this place. So every gift for it to translate into revenue, it must be actualized from a place of purpose. When you put a gift, actualize your gift from a place of purpose. Don't just do what you do outside your purpose. 
asking God, yes, I've given me a gift I could money, but where should I actualize that gift of money if God wants you to unfold the kingdom, actualize it from the place of purpose? That's why you see the people in the Bible, like Nicodemus, they came unto Jesus and they said, one to touch out this one that you're doing, he came unto Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was so prosperous, but he got to a place where he said, I want to eat in your house. You are with money, but I want to actualize the gift of money on a place of purpose. Paul was a man that had a gift. He was an academia, he was a preacher, he was a writer, but he was actualizing his gift outside the place of purpose. So when he was going to Damascus, the Bible says, then now enlightening was seen, then he was struck blind. And Jesus said unto Paul, I wanted to go to a street called Straight, that's forensic prophecy. And you are going to see Ananias, who was one of the apostles of that particular time. He's going to pray for you, and you are going to see. So when Paul was prayed for, he then started to translate his education into Christianity, translate his power of writing, because he's a man who sat under the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a man who was known for law, a man who was a philosopher, a man who was known as a, a theologian, a guru of books. So Paul was a prodigy of such a man, but he was actualizing his gift outside his purpose. God understand that whatever gift that you have, actualize it on the place of purpose. If God has made you an orator, actualize that oration on a place of purpose. If God has coached you, to be a man of business. No way to actualize your purpose. I, I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. The last one, number seven, it's money. Come on, somebody shout money. money. I, I don't need shout money. money. There are seven levels of money, and we are going to, we are going to plunge into it. We're not going to delve into those levels. We'll just speak about money. The first level of money is called cash. That's the only level that we're going to touch. Come on, somebody shout cash. All cash is not the same. All cash is not the same. That's why you have got your five cents, you have got your ten cents, you have got your two runs, you have got your five runs. So when you've got your ten cents, it's a dime. When the Bible speaks about a dime, it's a ten cents. When you've got your five cents, it's a nickel. When the Bible speaks of nickels, it's a five cents. So you have got your five runs, you have got your two runs, your twelve runs, your fifty runs, your hundred into 200, which is the bigger coin. If it's in US dollars, that's the same. You put your 5, your 10, your 20, your 50, then the major name. That's the last one. So all cash is not the same. Then again, not all cash is the same currency. Currency they differ. That's why we have got your rand, South African rand. You have got your American US. You have got your British pound. You have got your Australian US. Dollar, you have got your rupee, you have got your kwacha, you have got your pula, you have got your amalane from Eswatin, you have got your bonds from beyond the river of Limpopo. I don't know if it's money that one. So one thing about cash, cash it comes from the word currency. Come on, somebody shout currency. Which means current to flow. It comes from the word currency, current flow. We spoke about cash, so I'm not going to go much about it. And a lot of times, if you don't understand how money works, it will pass right by you and you're going to miss it. So 
First things first, before, before, you must understand how money works. So that when it passes through you, you don't miss it. Which means every day when I wake up in Pretoria, there are billions that are moving and exchanging hands in Pretoria, millions, but I must know how that money works. I met with someone in this place. I gave you examples of different people. So for you to get money or to position yourself from a place where when a billion passes through Pretoria to a million, you become a subject or a victim of that billion, you must be a person of value. Some value. I spoke about Yelbury. That Yelbury and 30 US dollar a minute. That's the value a minute, 30 US dollar, because of what she is, not what she has. She doesn't, she does nothing, but because of what she is. And the Bible says, I am fearfully and wonderfully married. So if you keep that 30 US dollars per minute, annually, she gets more than eight. 18 million US dollars. When you keep that in a year, then you find out we have got people like Tiger Holes. Tiger Holes, he earns 177 US dollars for what he does. A minute. I'm talking of a minute, which means right now, as I'm preaching, all the minutes that were listening to me, if you were Tiger Holes, You are supposed to be getting 177 US per minute. Then if you keep 177 US dollars per minute in a year, this year's earnings is 89 million dollars a year because of his value per minute. I don't know if I'm going to say this place. Steven Spielberg, he earns 635 US dollars a minute. You keep that 735 US dollar per minute. And his earnings a year, he earns 900 million US dollars for what he makes other people to do. So Tiger, he earns about 89 million for what he does. Steven Spielberg, he earns almost 900 million US dollar for what he makes other people do. Then there is the Moguri theory in India. He earns 2,111 US dollar a minute. You keep his earning a year. He's earning 4 billion US dollar a year. Bill Gates, he earns about 6,750 US dollars. If you keep this earning per minute with his annual earnings, he's getting six and a half billion a year because of his value per minute. So the reason why we don't have revenue right now is because we don't have a value of value for our minute. I want to prophesy this afternoon that let God give you value for your minutes. Don't allow your minute to go without any value. If you don't have value, anyone can come along your way and make you to do what they want you to do. But if you understand the importance of the value, 
before you had compiled them to go to the last stage, you start to measure the five that you for a minute. When you are on leave or when you're off, it doesn't mean that you must use and abuse that edge. Look for a minute and say, if I take someone to another stage, what am I going to earn in a minute? So the reason why sometimes people, they don't respect us as people of God, is because when you call me in the middle of the night and you have a problem, I don't charge you. After church and you want to cancel, I don't charge you. You can call me, send me messages, I don't charge you. That's why sometimes it's difficult for me now to translate my value into pennies. Am I talking about that? Yeah. Why? Because when God a doctor, a doctor recharges you because he has placed the value on his hour or minute. He charges you for consultation. Before he starts to diagnose you, he charges you. You go to a lawyer, you have got an issue, he charges you for his minute. But as pastors, we are so liberal. We don't charge you. We spend the whole day seeing you pray for you without putting value. That's why sometimes when you tell you what you're supposed to be doing, you don't value our information and our counsel because there's no money there. Just imagine you come to me, then you want a counsel, then I charge you a thousand. That counsel, we are going to read. That's why when I was asking you what we preached last week, if every time I come and I say, pay me two thousand for a preach, I tell you whatever I say, you record and you are going to value it. Why? Because I put value on what I'm preaching. But because I just come on the pulpit, on my empty stomach, I preach to you life-changing values, things of honor, then you go back home and sleep on it. I've seen people that were diagnosed wrongly by doctors. They were given wrong prescriptions. You go and buy the wrong medicine. You go back and tell you that I'm sorry because wrong prescription. Then you continue to pay because you're placed the value upon his life. I want to prophesy your life is to value. I said your life is value. Can you take a fix right now? I want you to start to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We bless you. I pray, 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 pray. Prophesy and say, God, give me the power. Give me the power. Give me the power. Give me the power to translate my life into value in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, so usually combra until it is so usually combra. I don't hear you. Come on, pray, pray. Let revenue flow. 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 In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, in your ministry, I promise my revenue. In your businesses, I promise my revenue. Into weakness, I promise my revenue right now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I decree and I declare that God give you relationships that are going to be translated into revenue. I promise let God give you land. Let God give you property in the name of Jesus Christ. I decree and I declare. Let God grant you wisdom right now. Come on, somebody. Let's have a voice and pray. I promise wisdom is a portion. I promise wisdom is a portion. I promise wisdom is a portion. I decree and I declare right now. I promise Let God give you a talent and a gift. And let that talent be translated into revenue. In the name of Jesus Christ, and the word of God says the gift of the man make it wrong for you and makes him to stand among great people. 
I prophesy the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Righteous name of Jesus Christ, I decree and I declare. I prophesy the mind of a life. The mighty name of Jesus Christ, I decree and I declare. I prophesy, I prophesy. Currents to come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I prophesy, let runs run to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In this season, let God give you the power to pull pullers from Botswana in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let your daughter come to you so that you may use for whatever aspect of life. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I decree and I declare. I prophesy pounds. Let them be impacted over life. In the name of Jesus Christ, I decree and I declare. I prophesy every garments of honor. I prophesy every country in the name of Jesus Christ. Huge marks, I prophesy them over life. You are not put up at your region. I prophesy the riches of God over life. Shele compra so shele compra ata. Come on, somebody pray. Shele compra eto in the heart. Shele compra eto to the soul. Shele compra ata. Zeli compra ata eto to the soul. Shele compra ata. We are praying to compra eto in the heart. Shele compra ata in the soul. Shele compra ata. I want to leave this time to passage and this will take us into the time of Molekomea for the next two minutes. Let's drink the Komea together in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.